I already know tonight that I'm going to be ragging on all three of you in some form. Why me? Uh, we'll find a reason later. Oh, wow. I, know, I, just, I just know I will. Mo, oh. James, we already, you already know where that's coming from. I was like, I did nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's- expressed in the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Talk Podcast Network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. And the audio show is on the air for this Saturday night, November 27th. 2020. This is episode 29 of the Anime Roundtable Canada version 2.0. If you have any questions or comments, let us know. Heavens knows it lets us know you exist. AnimeRoundtable at gmail.com is our email address. We're on Twitter and Instagram at AnimeRoundtable. AnimeRoundtable.com is our show archive and show notes. And please, if you're listening, we're looking for reviews wherever you get your podcasts. So whether it's Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, etc., go there and give us five stars, five stars, five stars, five stars, five stars on your review. I'm, I'm sorry, Mike, I didn't quite catch that. How many stars? You want me to repeat that? I believe no. we have to. What if the place I go to, the maximum is 10 stars? Should I still give five stars? For God's sakes. Shut up, Jay. <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs down. I don't give stars there. For God's sakes. Although I don't think Spotify lets you rate podcasts, so there's that. But yes, wherever you can rate us, rate us. Good evening and a belated happy Thanksgiving if you're in the U.S. From the Six Point Studio in the Toronto West End, Mike Nicholas here, joined as usual by James Austin, Kevin Ng, and Mohamed Shamarki somewhere over there. Where do we start tonight? Oh, okay. Well, let's give the COVID update, shouldn't we? We've started doing that, I think, in, well, every single time we've done an episode in the last number of months. Hopefully things are going okay wherever you are, relatively speaking. I know that this second wave has been, what's the best word we can use? Harrowing. Difficult. Sad. Shit show. We know it wasn't going to be easy, but unfortunately, uh, it turned out probably even worse than we thought in our minds, right? And we probably were starting from a low bar to begin with. Mm-hmm. I mean, did, did we really expect anything to like? I mean, this was a, this was foreseen, right? I mean, I feel like everyone knew back in like April that wave two was going to happen in the late fall, early winter, right? Like, I feel like this was a surprise. Uh, you'd be surprised, Mohammed. No, but who, who in like August, July, September was like, "Oh man, we beat COVID. It's all good. It's all cheery." And then like this happened as a surprise. Like, this isn't a surprise. People should know. You underestimate society. We underestimate history too. Remember what I said a couple weeks ago? 
History often states that second waves tend to be stronger than the first. More deadly, more and, deadly, definitely. But most sometimes tension in history class. Yeah, well, you, sometimes you want to make history, not be history, right? Yep. But I was thinking, too, of uh, Thanksgiving in Canada in October, and that was kind of the start as we want to say, of the second wave almost. And people were out saying, okay, let's slow down on the family gatherings, be different about it. But we, after two weeks later, we got uh, a big bump after that. And it was funny, as you mentioned, American Thanksgiving that happened this week. There was an article in the New York Times saying, we have proof positive that we probably shouldn't be gathering together for Thanksgiving from Canada a month before. And there were still people down south saying, well, why don't we see what happens after Thanksgiving? And they're even worse off than us. Let's just look at Florida. I guess Florida, Texas, that should be like the um, the watermark, I guess, the, uh, <laughs> the bar for society. I mean, I feel like if you're doing, <laughs> just, just look at Florida and Texas and their mobile freezer morgues going around town to town picking up dead COVID bodies. I feel like if you've reached that level of like, uh, ignorance or, or blindness to this disease, then like you kind of deserve it. The, th- the funny part is, I think in the week leading up to U.S. Thanksgiving, epidemiologists and health experts were pleading with people. Well, we've been looking at Canada as a shining example of how to handle it. Look at how they handled Thanksgiving. And you thought they had, you- we thought they handled it well, but, and we're going into our Thanksgiving, which is even more, you know, Right? Really? They looked at us? They they, they, they used us? that line. They used like that was a line yep. some some used. Oh, and some, it was also in the New York Times. Remember they had the New York Times article and stuff like that. That was a major article, as I said before. But they still had some people in certain states saying, Well, we'll wait and see what happens. Like, come on. They should have or looked it, at Taiwan. Or more like it's my bu- or more like it's my business. They should have looked at New Zealand or Taiwan or South Korea rather than us. Come on. We don't have, I don't know if there's a comparable there. Yeah, because if you look at New Zealand and Australia, remember they're islands, so it's a lot more easier to uh, keep people out. Moreover, I was more also thinking is there a holiday? No, they're super strict in Australia. Like if you're crossing provincial borders, you have to quarantine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a line. Here in the greater Toronto area, we are. Now, in day six of a lockdown for Toronto and Peel region, which encompasses the western suburbs of Toronto, which is where James and Kevin are. The lockdown is set to be 28 days, so that'll end just before Christmas. And they're probably going to extend. I doubt it, yeah. With no guarantees that it'll be lifted at that point. So it's a minimum 28 days. I'm, I'm I'm calling it now. No one's gonna leave this lockdown until like mid March. We we may maybe we'll get March break. Maybe we'll get St. Patrick's Day. How about that? I feel like St. Patrick's yeah. Day is the uh, the mark we should. Yeah, and I think we're I think we're going an anniversary here. Other immediate areas, the surrounding areas, York and Durham regions, which is to the north and east of here, they're not. In lockdown, they are in what's referred to as 
red zone, which is a the lot of the GTA. Yeah, they went first. red. So the big difference is Toronto and Peel, they cannot have dine-in. They cannot open their malls, only essential businesses. That's another story. I know that. York can open malls to some degree. Dine-in to some degree, though they have those to some degrees with limits, of course. Although those limits are only as good as their enforcement. Tickets have been issued. There's also big news this week because of a, well, if you're in Toronto, you already know the, the story of the Adamson Barbecue restaurant, which is actually about less than 10 minutes from the Six Point Studio here. Let's but leave it at that. Let's leave it at that for now. That's another story altogether. Rather not right. give that man more publicity than he needs. I mean, I I feel like the guy got a got a bum rap, right? I mean, you know, he's a small business owner. He he deserves to the freedom to do what he wants to do, right? Everyone's gonna start talking about right something now. else. He, well, it's it's a little bit complicated. Let's just say. I get the whole small business thing, but. It's not about small business. Now let's talk about something else. (laughs) Well, if you want to talk fairness, just remember there's a lot of things about 2020 that aren't fair. Dude, that is so true. But on that note, and while we're on the whole uh, lockdowns and COVID thing, James, Mo, you two have a lot of explaining to do today. What were you talking about? Uh, Although I'm glad to hear you escaped from London. Well, we (laughs) went through to London, which is in yellow, and there's some green around there, too. So do you want to know how many OPP roadblocks we had to break through to get there? Well, let's let's back up for a couple seconds here and start to explain this. So last Friday, limited mo- there was a limited movie run of the first two Fate Stay Heaven's Field movies, right? Yes. And they were had a few in Ontario, but there was the closest one interesting for that one before I think they moved to another stage was Barry was showing uh, that double feature, which was yes. interesting. And that's even closer to the uh, Toronto area, of course. And and Mo, you went to see that? Almost you mentioned you. I almost did. I actually bought a ticket for it too. I was like, gonna go and then I just didn't. Oh, geez. I don't think I could sit that long through that double bill. That would be a little intense. I mean, yeah. just 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 to back up for a second from our own experience, James. Like you've seen Heaven's Field two twice now, mm-hmm. because you saw it originally during its original theater run, and you shot, saw it at IFF last year, right? With yeah, me. and I saw the first movie in theaters as well when it came over. Okay, so you're already familiar with it. This week, or beginning Friday last night. The third movie in that series was in theaters here in this area. And obviously there was a limited run and obviously it's, you can't see it here in Toronto and the immediate surrounding area, but there were options if you were willing to take the drive. So and James and Mohammed did. The hell? <laughs> Okay, so I, I, I offered- there were actually four options we had, Mike, just to let you know, and all of them were in yellow zones. We could have went to Thunder Bay, we could have went to Peterborough, we could have went to Sudbury, but we went to London. Well, Sudbury and, or you mean, well, Peterborough 
and London are, I won't say exactly the same amount away, one going west, one going east. They are significant drives, easily an hour and a half, then add to it, I guess. And you guys opted to go west instead of east to Peterborough. You went west to London. Okay. Talk. Let's hear the story. In my defense, anything east of Young Street is uh, the no man's land, so no one should go east of Young Street. So Scarborough, Peterborough, Oshawa, none of that stuff is... I don't recommend anyone goes that far east. (laughs) So west was the only uh, acceptable route for us to go. Okay. So, like, acceptable in what way, though? I don't know. I don't know. It's just... Yeah, what's wrong with the Like, I've been to Peterborough. It's a sleepy little town. You survived? Like, I I have nothing really against it. It's just, I found it a little bit on the sleepy side, but it's not, it's, I have really nothing bad to say about it. It's a very charming small town. (laughs) Okay, so tell us about the heroine journey. James, you want to, you want to kick it off? Well, let's see. Uh, Mohammed was very nice enough uh, to carpool and stuff like that, and uh, we definitely were masked up the uh, whole time, as we should have been. Uh, it was a very uh, smooth uh, ride along the 401, which is a major artery uh, in Ontario. It's like sometimes you'll have traffic, but there was no traffic at all. It was a beautiful, sunny day. And as Mo said when we were at, uh, after, I think it was after we left the one gas station, there was like a wall of clouds. We saw this wall of clouds and then one little cloud over that. It was kind of like that beautiful moment there as we were driving down the highway and stuff like that since all the trees lost their leaves. <laughs> I, I will mm. say this. The drive was very scenic. Uh, if, if anyone's looking to, to kill two hours, just, just drive west and you'll find some, some scenic driving there. <laughs> And we also had Will Wheaton uh, serenading us with, I think, uh, Ready Player Two, which uh, you had on uh, the stereo oh. there. So that oh, was you have nice. the audiobook? Yeah, I got the uh, the book and the audiobook. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, bit, I'm a big Ernest Klein fan. Uh, his, his book is pretty good. We're about a couple of chapters in. It's it's very on the nose, a lot of uh, current pop culture stuff. <laughs> oh, boy. So what Will Wheaton is... Did the audiobook for this. Yeah, he did the uh, Ready Player One as well, and he did uh, Ready Player Two. Why am I not surprised? Uh, yeah, a- we had some moments where we had a little chuckle, didn't we, Mo? Oh my God, so we were listening to the, the moment where they spoke about the um, the sword. <laughs> sword on Online. Oh, man, that was good. Lots of geek references, as usual. So much. Uh, Max <laughs> Hedrum... Hitchhikers Head to the Galaxy. They talk about Back Hickey to the Mary Future. And it was it was good. There was there was a good there was a good bit in there about uh, Japan's population issue, and at the same time, uh, America's just you know terribleism. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's a good book. People should read it. Well, there, that's another story altogether. Okay, so what is this? I heard something about roadblocks. No, there are no roadblocks. It's like no, so they 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 are not uh, setting up roadblocks between uh, areas. They are sure? trusting us as human <laughs> beings to do the right thing. And you guys went to go see a movie. I will tell you that, as I said, we were all masked up. We were all socially distanced and stuff like that. And the interesting thing when we went into the theater, there wasn't too many people. I think there behind us, 
but when we went in, unlike when me and Kevin went um, to the Lupin movie, and I'm not sure if it happened to Mo when he went to Courtney Park for a cure, nope, but this didn't, time didn't happen there. But this time they took down our name and our phone number for contact tracing and stuff like that. And they actually had it all like everyone going in was going in one way. Everyone going out was going out one way. It wasn't like a free for all. Like when me and Kevin went in, there was no like way to like it was all open. You know what I mean? Like they were, hmm. they were trying. They were really trying with the social distancing and the mask. I will, I will knock them pretty heavily, uh, James, <laughs> as you remember, in the washrooms. So we're still wash our hands, you know, because you know that's the thing to do. It'd be nice if their sinks worked. That'd be good, you know, to wash hands. But what? we only had one working sink, and we were confused. Like we're trying to get this water out of the sink, and it just wasn't going for us until we found only one working. That's an issue. That's a big right issue. Now, that's, right now, that's a big issue. The ironic thing, though, I'll tell you, of all the simplexes I've been in, and mostly I go to the Winston Churchill one, this one had reclining chairs, and I've never gotten the experience of reclining chairs at an anime movie. So that was it's kind of a nice, nice perk. It was very nice. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about how many people were there. Like when we talked about this a few days ago, James, you said you were looking at the seating chart to this, that point and said, not too much. Yeah, there wasn't too much. It was an 1125 in the morning uh, showing. So if people were going up, it's like a lot of people aren't morning people and stuff like that. It looked like the later in the day they were getting more people. And there was definitely more people on the first day yesterday. They actually had a sold out on one of the shows, I believe. Oof. So so that well, one, you got to make sure you're in the right seat. This one. There was no one in the row but me and Mohammed, and I'd want to say maybe ten at the most of people behind oh, us and stuff like less, that. There wasn't way less than ten. I think probably maybe, even less than eight, that. But I could maybe eight. Yeah, and, and they were all very spread out, and everyone yeah, had a mask on. So exactly, like as far as like protocols and COVID related stuff, like everyone was super far apart. Uh, me and James had a whole row to ourselves. The, the closest person was like two rows back. And even then with the reclining seats, the, the rows are kind of like much bigger because of the reclining seats. So it's like distance wise. Plus people don't notice, but the theaters, like the air gets circulated in there relatively quickly. You get new air in there like every few minutes. So if there was COVID in that room, it was quickly sucked out and new fresh air was brought in. So uh, in theory, I feel like, in theory, in theory, yes, but I feel like no. I, I felt I felt safe and comfortable. I mean, wore my mask the entire time. Uh, opted not to go with popcorn and drinks and stuff, but uh, yeah, it's it's it worked. I felt safe when I watched Lupin with James. Uh, it's it's like a mission now going to see a movie. I guess during these times, like if you're going to see a movie, it's like going at groceries, like. You want to do the least amount of, <laughs> you want to spend the least amount of time there as possible. Like it's not there to enjoy oh yourself. <laughs> uh, well, that's a fair point. But I will say though, like if I had been in a theater where example, it was full. The one thing I question and stuff like that is on the Simplex website, they say after the movie is done, you should go row by row of people getting out in an orderly fashion and stuff like that and making sure that it's time. And when you have the number of people, which wasn't that many, it's easy to do that. But I was just thinking to myself, 
I wonder how the heck they did that the night before when they had a full theater if everyone actually came to their seat. You know what I mean? Well, I don't because think they did. They, they have. I'm not sure the staff would actually really come in and guide them through that. It's like, I think it's just everyone for themselves do the right thing. Quick thought. Okay, you, you said that there would have been a sold-out screening yesterday. What's the capacity of the theater? Uh, 35. 35? Yep. Oh, sorry, no. Um, 35 plus 6, so 41. So around 40. Yeah. yeah. Like, that so would have been the theater. capacity in terms of... Well, actually, I was looking media. now, Mike, there's only 11 theaters in Canada that are showing uh, Fate's Day and stuff like that. So can you list them? Yep. Uh, with all 11 that are showing Fate's Day, Heaven's Feel 3. So, yeah, I was three, looking. So you were right there, Mo. It was 40 seats is the amount uh, they would have. Uh, one sec. We got Thunder Bay, Sudbury, London, Peterborough, Saskatoon for some reason, Regina, Edmonton, Chinook. Yep. Uh, got a couple of French. Chinook markets. is at uh, Calgary. Uh, Mount Pearl. Uh, That's uh, Newfoundland. And I believe the first one was. Uh, so two Clarence. in Edmonton, actually. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Two. Aren't they like spiking in Edmonton? I thought the cases were pretty high up there. Well, supposedly, you know that Chinook one. I think that's near the Chinook Center, and they were having concerns about a lot of people went shopping on Black Friday there. So that was a big one that was concerned. But yeah, it seems Saskatchewan, they have two there, as you said, and then Eau Claire I'm not sure if that's in Quebec or if that's somewhere out west. It could be actually out west. But there isn't that many. So how many in Ontario again? Four. Four. The London, so... Peterborough, Thunder Bay, Sudbury. Okay. So 11 theaters. Because remember, so GTA had a lot, I believe, usually when they've done anime movies. If they, if they had it, yeah, there, there'd be a couple more. I could think of three that would have likely had it based on what I know other movies would have had, like Promari. Courtney Park, I would have thought Young Dundas Square. Yeah, of course. Winston Churchill definitely Winston would Churchill. have it. Those are the three I would have, might have easily had. might have had it. Barry would have had it because we've seen them have it before. So there's another one in They're Toronto. There's Vaughan. a few in Toronto. Oh, Vaughn, that's right. Oh, yeah. Vaughn Colossus and Vaughn. There was one in Scarborough, I think, usually would have them too as well. Oh, I yeah. Mean, there is. Vaughn is where I, I went to see Weathering With You at the beginning of the year. Quick note that I got the Blu-ray for that this week. Talk about other stuff. Yeah, uh, Do you watch it already? No, no. Well, I watched it in the theater, yes. I mean, I haven't watched Blu-ray, the Blu-ray with all the features and stuff. I'll take a look. You know what's the funny part about that? I haven't broken the seal on that. And I haven't broken the seal on your name either. They're both sitting beside each other sealed here on my shelf. And you should never break those seals ever. That's the thing, right, Kevin? Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't break the seals. Yeah. Hey, I should, or at least, it, it, let's just say I'll pause for thought before I do that. There are other things in the queue I would want to watch, and maybe we'll talk about that a bit later in the in the episode. So should we actually talk about the movie that we actually went to see? Because we were How much should, yeah. should we should we pause for a spoiler alert or not? Oh, well, yeah. I guess I should ask Mo. Do you think Senpai noticed uh, Sakura? Because that was a theme. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> oh man 
as well. Oh man, the fight scenes were great. Animation was great as always. They did have an interview uh, before the movie, and that was with uh, the actress who played Sakura, and then the actor who played Emiya. So they had. And those two were there last year, right? Correct. Yes, those two were at the uh, event we were at there uh, down at IFF last year. IFF, yes. And she said the same thing. The actress of Sakura, she wanted to see how the. Uh, audience would react and I know she's always said that whenever she's been in interviews and likes to see the different reactions from the different fans across the world which is interesting Hmm. well they've had the habit of sneaking in to watch showings and nobody knew that they snuck in to watch showings I mean I remember I told that story last year Mm -hmm. so that's the end right yeah that is the last one to conclude Heaven's Feel. And after watching it all, yes, as we all knew, to do that route, because it's such a gritty and dark route, the only way to really do it would have been through movies or through OVAs because of the mature content, stuff like that. And most of that mature content is definitely in the second movie. So you definitely went to the deep end, as I told you, Mike, when you watched the second movie with me at IFF. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say it's still darker as we go into the third one because of where the second movie ended, because you're right back in it. Right. I mean, I'm still not as familiar with Fate Stay as a lot of other people. It was a fun watch. I will admit that. You want to hear something funny, Mike? Oh. I I have not seen the first two movies. I thought you said you had seen them. Nope, never saw them. I saw five minutes of the first movie yesterday in preparation for the third movie. I had the first two downloaded and I was like, I'm watch them. But then, I don't know, I, I got up to the part where uh, he does his archery in the beginning. And then the girl shows up at his front door. And then I fell asleep. And I'm like, ah, don't worry. <laughs> I'll just watch the third movie without watching the first two. <laughs> it's kind of tough because the first movie, they had to go through stuff that you've already seen in the other incarnations of uh, anime series so they kind of did have to get through that in a certain way in a different light and so it it felt kind of samey but it's still it was enjoyable and stuff like that as a fan but then once you get to the second movie shit gets real and they've even talked about the one scene where it was kind of the anime take on the game because the game just goes completely black screen like nothing on screen and just a voice and you can do that in a game but as the i think it was sakura's voice actor that was talking about at iff and she said that before too is that alice in wonderland scene in the second movie like he created that on his own because he didn't want to have a black screen and people talking like that doesn't make for good movie making or good storytelling in this medium and he just did an incredible thing of conveying the same thing but in a different way that scene was crazy. It was like when I hear that explanation, it was fascinating. If you want to see black screen, to some degree, Eva had it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you had to be a little creative. You can't be. You can't literally do what, what's been done before in that sense. I remember that scene quite well. Mm hmm. So was it a good payoff overall? Obviously, there were there's a lot of Fate Stay fans. Is this a good payoff? I think, like for the final arc that needed to be adapted, 
it was a good payoff in the end and stuff like that. And the fight scenes that there was still homages to previous Fate Stay works and stuff like that. The one fight between Ryder and Saber, oh my god, it gave me goosebumps to get back to the original Studio Dean anime to uh, the regular route, where it was the opposite the way it played out for that fight between Ryder and Saber. And that's all I can say on that. And then the final fight, I don't want to even say who was in the final fight, but it was just the most ridiculous fist fight you'll ever see in anime. Hmm. Oh, the, so good. So good. The sad part to me is at the very least, there is is there a streaming option? There really isn't. Like no. I wouldn't mind starting over and that watching all that should have came. <laughs> People People were begging, like, even when Aniplex, like, they did a tweet out, right, saying, oh, it's in Canada, and we listed how many theaters, which isn't much. And people there, and even when they said it was coming to Canada, and even when they talked about the stuff in the States they were showing, were begging for streaming options and stuff like that. And <laughs> some of it has to be with Aniplex USA. Like, Aniplex huh. USA, those guys on the U.S. subsidiary have to know okay, we need to find a streaming option, but they're probably being held back from Japan. And they could even do it through, like, say, for example, Funimation streaming site and stuff like that, because Funimation decided for a week, okay, we're going to stream the dub of the Goblin Slayer movie. So you could do something like that, like an event for like a week or whatever. You know? know Or you could move on it. You know, know, James, the cynic in me thinks that they don't want to give away those movies for free no so, they like, would definitely do a chart just like sentai did with made in the abyss the third movie where they had the agreement but at least they were able to get that streaming option and they've done that they it's actually still going on now so that's been going on for i want to say two months almost oh uh, you can basically buy the stream and watch it and stuff like that in the comfort of your own home like why they couldn't go to that i forget which site sentai went for that option, but they could have went there because that side I know has done film festivals and stuff like that. So there are options out there and it's secure, of course, because that's the one thing they worry about, of course, is security. Yeah, I and also I could see Japan getting in the way of that. So I'm not sure what was different in that contract and stuff like that. So that's an intriguing one. But every contract in every movie is different. The other thing is remember, Fate is such a big property, so that could play into it too, right? Oh yeah, I bet. Yeah, that, I was wondering. It's the it's popular, right? It's it's a it's a premium property right now. It's a premium title, so they do something with it. As I said, it's it's a big it, it, like it's it was probably one of the bigger releases this year in terms of anime in theaters, right? Yep, correct. At least yeah. for us, it was. In Japan, it's like they've had a few big ones. So they had that one, which got delayed, and it was done a few months ago. Then they had the last Violet Evergarden movie from Kyoan, and that was a few months ago. And who knows if that'll make it over uh, to here as a theatrical release, because they did that for the other special, but I doubt it. It'll probably be uh, Netflix, because Netflix has done the other uh, Violet Evergarden movies, and then later down the road, Funimation will release i guess a blu-ray of that just like they're doing for the series and the special uh, later on in december but mm-hmm. the one that i think is probably the biggest and supposedly i think it's now the 10th one of the 10th biggest movies in the world this year but that's not saying much is the demon slayer movie 
And that premiered last month, and it's just released in Japan and Taiwan, and it's been hitting crazy numbers. Yeah, I was wondering about that. So that that. would probably be the biggest. And that's another Aniplex property, right? So that one would be in the same sphere of Fates Day. They might not do, they would only do a theater, I think, for it, which is sad, but. That was the more anticipated one, right? I think, I think, like, there seemed to be a buzz around Demon Slayer. And to the point where people were really worried about its appearance in theaters and people going out to see that in COVID times. Even in Japan, yeah. And yeah. supposedly all of them might, because it definitely has a lot of mainstream appeal and stuff like that. How long is the theatrical release here in Canada? Do we know? How long, How long is it set for? Not How long, long enough. It it's usually probably, not. Usually for this one, for the Fate Stay, because it's bigger and stuff like that, they're actually giving you a lot longer. So at least a week or two weeks. So they give you a lot and they play it every day. Unlike some of the other special event ones, like they did actually Akira, they did the same thing where it just kept going until I guess they didn't get enough people in the seats. Yeah. But (laughs) what happened is for for some G kids uh, stuff, it's usually similar to that, but some of them it's special event where they are only showing on certain days. So for example, at the Lupin one, me and Kevin went to see, it was like, Two of the days, I think, uh, the week before, and then the last day they showed it was the day we went, which was a Tuesday the week after and stuff like that. And we were lucky it was on a Tuesday because they gave us the cheap tickets. Yeah. And that doesn't always happen with those special ones. By my own admission, I'm in no hurry to go see it. Really, I want to refresh myself with the first two movies myself, but uh, on my terms. But I'm sure... A very, uh, well, it depends on who you talk to, but probably expensive or uh, exclusive release from Aniplex will come uh, late next year. So we'll see what happens with that. Like all three? No, I'm just saying the third movie. Just the third movie. They would never do that. Because remember, they still are selling the first two movies and they're still priced at the Aniplex prices. So, And it doesn't feel like certain those top, well, except for Demon Slayer, but I don't think they are going to do anything where Funimation will sell a lower-priced uh, version like they did with Demon Slayer. Okay. But who knows? Maybe that'll change uh, once they get the final movie out. Maybe they'll do something uh, with Funimation, but time will tell. Time will tell. I mean, once again, uh, that, that's another discussion concerning the various anime branches of Sony. Right? Mm-hmm. But as I said, it's like Fate's Day was fascinating, but maybe I only saw it from the second movie. So maybe at the very least, I want to see the first again, or first for sure, and then the second again. Just want to go through it all again. Kind of crazy how big it is and stuff like that. Because as I was telling you, Mo, I said, I got in, of course, with Tsukihime, and I know Kevin probably got in through Tsukihime and stuff like that with Type Moon before they become legit. And then uh, they did Fate. And so I, I love like the original Fate and stuff like that, all the roots. I liked Fate Zero and stuff like that. Um, and I liked, there was the other one with uh, Riders Master from the original Fate Zero, his spinoff. I like that. But the other ones, like I know the grand uh, 
the one that was the mobile game. People love that one, but I wasn't too much into it. But they have so many spin-offs and stuff like that. It's kind of intense, to say the least. So I just like the core stuff. And I'm hoping now that I've done all that core stuff, maybe they'll do that remake of Tsukihime, but I doubt that'll ever happen. Hmm. Remake of Tsukihime? What are you talking about, James? <laughs> There's no Tsukihime anime. They'd just be making a, one from scratch. <laughs> Fans of Tsukihime hate the anime so much that it, they do not acknowledge its existence. Oh, that type of stuff. Okay. Tells you where I am, right? <laughs> and some of the thing is because they've seen uh, what UFO Table has done uh, with the Fate franchise and redoing the Fate franchise. It's like that is probably kind of added to it too, I guess. Okay. Well... That's that. Sounded like it was, well, bottom line, was it worth the trouble for both of you? Yes. Yes. I think it was a very safe journey for both of us. And we did do our research and stuff like that. Like I looked, it's like, okay, what's our caseload around there? What thing or zone are they in? Are we going to be socially distanced enough? How many people are in that theater and stuff like that? It's like making sure everyone's max masked up and stuff like that. So plus the movie was really nice. I'm sure we'll know the real results in a couple weeks. Wow. <laughs> oh, bro, come on. Can't Let's believe take... you're, you're engraving my tombstone already, Mike. Man. How long? Uh... I'd like to think, I'd like to think uh, it's decades away and well after whenever I end up going. So when did you guys get back? Uh, like 3-ish? 3.30-ish? So this okay. was like a morning trip, and then you got back early at mid. Yeah, early because mid- we left around uh, mm-hmm. nine. Mm-hmm. Well, you left earlier, of course, but from my place, I think we must have left around mm-hmm. uh, a quarter after nine or something like that. This, this was a day 20. trip. This yeah. was a day trip. And it we actually wonderful. managed to make it to the theater, I think, about 15 10 minutes, minutes to 10 minutes early. So we actually made the exact amount of time that uh, Mo's... Uh, navigation said we would make for that which was kind That's of funny just, like just, we were hitting green lights and everything just yeah. a never doubt google google's always right it will always be right kind of like it the depends yeah google's always right like the monolith in utah right <laughs> it depends i'm it sure there were the right like uh cameras and i don't know drones out front making sure that the path was clear for us how it knew. Where yeah. do you guys eat in London? We didn't eat at London at all. We weren't uh, doing anything like that. Just did you? We come back in and out, right? No, so no, no, no stopping Whoa. for White Castle sliders or anything like that. No sliders. No, come <laughs> on, didn't you guys get hungry? I mean, oh, eat before. Yeah, come on, food, food. Yeah, I had a breakfast and stuff like that before and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, Mo had like, some water and a snack, which I graciously accepted, and we had that after the movie, and then we uh, went back. So yeah, this we got is to as these as, things out. It's like, like it this can't be cool. like it used to, where you had a bite to eat afterwards, right? So and yeah. to be fair, I think that was prudent. I thought that was good. That was a rational thing to do. Oh yeah, especially you, in these times. Yeah. this is not. Like you, you just want to like this is a get in, watch, get out type scenario. I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there were certain movies. I think I mentioned to you, Mike. The other thing we saw in the Twitter feeds when they were announcing um, these movies earlier in the month is there was one person from Quebec that said they would go all the way to the GTA or whatever 
movie theater had just to see this movie. So that tells you how many people wanted to see this movie. Well, his option was either going to Newfoundland or Peterborough. Oh, I don't think he'd be able to go to Newfoundland because remember, they basically, they, they are, that oh, no, there's the EI the, are on the, the Atlantic bubble. They are not letting anyone. Well, not really, yeah, although that's kind of bursting too. That's another story altogether. Anyway, let's take the break. When we get back, not really bullets again, but we do have a variety of stuff to talk about, including some follow-ups on things that have been mentioned past episodes. Curious to know what they are? Well, come on back. Stay tuned. That's when the Anime Roundtable continues on the Six Talk Podcast Network. And the podcast now continues. Nicholas Austin, Ng, and Shamarki continuing the conversation with you in front of a virtual audience online via the Six Talk Podcast Network. You know, I, I decided to pull off my two Makoto Shinkai movies just to take a good look at them. It, it just dawned upon me that Weathering With You was G-Kids and Your Name is Funimation. I did not realize that until they, those came in this week. But you know what's kind of ironic, though, Mike, on that, is that mm-hmm. both dubs were done by uh, NYV Post, Navi Post. So same people there. Interesting. And I'm not sure if that's because of how, who originally had the distribution that for your name and stuff like that before Funimation got the physical rights or something like that. Who knows? Weird things happen, right? Because usually they would have just used Funimation's in-house uh, dubbing. Yeah. Okay, but that's a quick aside. Oh, okay. Let let's let me really get started with this. If you have noticed, we didn't put a promo in this week's episode. It's not as if a anime world order needs anymore. <laughs> and skeleton, our good friends at Skeleton House, you know, you'll hear their promo again sooner or later. I mean, Mike. They, they they can definitely use our our, our 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 three listeners, right? Right. Which because it's it would probably double theirs. Look. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Rude. My, my my point being my point being we're always up for promos from other anime podcasts, so we'll probably either be scouring for them, or if you are a podcast who wants to promote this show, your show, pardon me, promote your show to our three listeners, drop us a line. The other thing I want to mention is we made this joke a couple weeks ago that our theme music is widely available. It's it's a stock piece of music that's within GarageBand and can be used anywhere. And it is used just about anywhere. We found out that the popular Bob McCowan podcast now uses that piece of music as its theme as well. <laughs> so... I've mentioned in the past that I do want to find a new piece of intro music for this podcast. So I'm just going to put that out there now that we are looking for a new theme song. If anybody can point us in the right direction, let us know. Or if you 
think you can do it, let us know as well. Okay, on the topic of going to London, James and Mo. You know what? We never mentioned which London we went to. Oh, we know. Come on. We, we already we you mentioned know, it. I'm pretty right. sure it was London, England, because didn't you know Mo has a submersible vehicle? Oh, yeah. No, but see, the thing is, is that there was no way you would have driven to London with the time you left at. And, and on top of that, you would have had to go through the Atlantic provinces, all things being equal. <laughs> no, we just would have went in Lake Ontario through St. Lawrence and gone out to sea. Yeah. You, know, you know, I do have that portal in the back of my closet that takes us to uh, anywhere in the world. So, you know, we could use that. <laughs> what are you, Dorymon? Oh. <laughs> oh, boy. That's good. Well, all jokes aside, since you were in London on the topic of being in London, Ontario... In my right hand is a copy of the Moonstone Diadem. Angela O'Hara's Kickstarter project did reach its backers over the last week or so. My copy I got on Thursday. Or was it Friday? I think it was Friday. James, I know you told me that your copy came in last yep. week. So mine very early. I don't know how that happened, but I, she was doing it in batches, remember? Yes. Mo, I, I saw your name in the thank yous for it. When did you get your copy? Uh, good question. You don't remember? I, I remember. It's a blur. Twenty twenty is a blur. I get it. <laughs> I can't remember. It was this week, last week, or the week before that? You don't remember? Okay, let's, let's say last week. Fine, you got it already. Kevin, when did you get yours? <laughs> Kevin, when did you get yours? Kevin? Kevin? Kevin, I didn't buy it. See, I knew I could get on your case for at least one thing this week. Huh. Angela, take names. I think she did. Didn't she take names already? She put them in the back. Oh, of the yeah, bar. yeah. Well, it's all they're all listed. I briefly took mine out just to thumb through it. It feels nice. Do that smell? Yeah. No, no. The printing, the quality and everything. She got some great people, as she had mentioned, to work with. And I think the printer was out of Quebec in Montreal or something like that. So they did a good job. It it, it smelled like one of those uh, freshly printed books. It just smelled good. I mean, that's that's the only thing Mo could say. I can't say too much else. I haven't read through it yet. (laughs) It looks really nice, Angela. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks for the autograph, too. I really hope people get the chance to give this a good look. And I think, the, Mike, that people can still buy any extra copies off her personal site. I believe she, she said she was going to make it available and stuff like that. Yes, yeah, so so she did great. mention that in her tweets and on her Facebook. I will put a link to that in the show notes. So congratulations again, Angela. All right, where do we go this week? Where else can we go right now? Oh, yes. Okay. Well, I guess this is almost becoming a episodic thing. Oh, the death, the death watch. Yes. Let's talk about that. Yes. The, the death watch. So two notable names, at least to us of note. If I went through the anime news network headlines, there's still more there. Mainly in Japan, uh, names right now that are kind of lost on me. But I know that the big, the big one for most North American fans over the last couple of weeks is Kirby Morrow, who passed away. Dude, sad stuff, man. Sad stuff. 
Okay, we keep mentioning that English voices have grown their own following over the last decade and plus in time, for better or worse. We make that joke all the time. Vic, Vic, Vic. Like I said, for better or worse. Where does Kirby Morrow sit on all that? I feel like more so than anime, wasn't it Stargate or something like that? He had a bigger following on that side too, I believe. He was in Inuyasha, right? He was Morrow. Inuyasha is the one most people remember him from, of course. And he did come back for that in the new series? He did. did. Okay. Yeah, they said he was going to come, but I'm not sure what he recorded. And then, of course, remember, he was also in Gundam Wing as well. So there is that. Like, there, he was in many ocean dubs, so he was prolific. The <laughs> the original cast of Inuyasha, for the most part, were only in Episode 1, because Episode 1 is actually an adaptation of, like, a an epilogue chapter or like a spin-off chapter of sorts that Rumiko Takahashi drew after the conclusion of Inuyasha, if I have my phone okay. great. Okay. So I get that. And I think a couple other characters do show up partway in the series, but for the most part, the main cast does not show up again. All right. I'm just looking up the further information. Kirby Murrow uh, died on November 18th, so a little more than a week ago. He was 47. Yeah, and man, it, sad, uh, it's, sad, sad, sad stuff. He was, in a, he was in a bunch of, like, he's from Vancouver, right? So he's in a bunch of those mm-hmm. uh, ocean dubs and stuff. But I remember him from, like, X-Men Evolution and stuff. Like, he, he was in a bunch of stuff, man. Yeah, and and the Morrow family has had it tough because, according to Wikipedia, and I guess we'll take take Wikipedia's word for it, his father had died a little over a week before. So, as I said, I know he had a following, and his uh, and his more dedicated fans are taking it, you know, fairly hard. You know, his uh, loved ones are taking it even harder. So our condolences go to out to the Moro family and his friends. Okay, so more mainstream-wise, the other notable death happened a few days ago. That was Diego Maradona. The hand of God, bro. The hand of God. No, he admitted yeah. many, many... Oh, he admitted. He admitted. He admitted. Decades he admitted. later that it wasn't God's hand, goddammit. It was his hand. He actually <laughs> has the hand of God. <laughs> spoken like a true englishman james if we had replay back then i tell you it would be a mortal hand they saw not god's hand are you implying that he's a dirty cheat well actually i'm guessing what would have happened is they would have blurred his hand somehow and stuff like that and then you would have seen like a hand coming from the heavens and then they'd still have to allow the goal but hey oh and fuego you are in fuego james (laughs) that's kind of reminiscent of when uh... all i can say is 
we'll be dead before we see England actually win a World Cup. But we still have hope one day. I don't know yeah, why, sure. but it, this reminds me of when the Japanese government had to announce that, like, that no, we're not, we're not actually like, we're not actually like the gods or whatever. I don't know. Like, I remember when they had to make that announcement in the eighties. Was it the eighties? I don't remember. When? Oh, was it when the new emperor came in? When, yeah. When, when Hirohito when Hirohito passed away, that was in I think eighty nine. Or something like that. They pretty much had to. I for, I'm not. I'm pretty fuzzy in the story, but it's it's more or less saying like, no, we're not. We're not like, we're not gods, pretty much. Or I don't know. Oh, but I thought oh, that basically was... when he was it when Hirohito surrendered. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I thought it was basically when they surrendered and stuff like that. And that was like one of the first times the Japanese people actually heard the emperor. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it wasn't like any other monarchies where they were using radio. They were using things to communicate with the people. There was still that disconnect. And MacArthur and them basically sent Hirohito out so the people could see him and stuff like that. And that had never really happened before. And that was kind of to be- debunk that myth that he was a god and so on and so forth. Okay. Okay. That part of it. I remember correctly then. Like, I, I mean, if memory serves me right about the way Hirohito's death was announced, and this was, I, I had to look this up. It is, it was in uh, January of 89. It was very simply done. Just a simple title card announcement, I think, put on NHK. That's what I read. And it was just a very simple announcement. But the Maradona one was a little bit more. Well, I mean, I, 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 we, I only got it just like how we seem to find out about everything else, notifications on the phone. But uh, I don't know how the announcement was. You know, it's, 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 it's funny. Um, I, I grew up or I was born in Italy uh, <clears throat> in the 80s uh, when Maradona was playing for Napoli. Uh, mm-hmm. And I remember going to... Uh, as a child, okay, I don't remember going as a child, but I do remember being told the story of being taken to a game as a child and how it was a sold out crowd. And he was like the most beloved person because I lived in a small town in you know, Naples. And uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, it was a big heartbreak. I mean, my uncle loved Maradona, my family loves Maradona. It's it's uh, it's very sad. Mm-hmm. See, the one me- memory I don't have too many memories of Maradona. I it's very blurry about 86. I just knew he that Argentina won it and I saw the odd game on TV. Steve Armitage from CBC. CBC had the rights and of course 86 was also when Canada was there. And he called the games there. But I don't have uh, any real memories. My own, my real memories begin with 1990 when it was in Italy and the whole Argentina thing. And Argentina got to the final there. And I know that Maradona put up a big stand telling Naples to choose between its country or its man. And that was the beginning of the end for his time at Napoli, basically. Especially after Argentina beat Italy in that game and eliminated him. And let's not forget the whole uh, scandal of his son. Go quickly. Just quickly. Oh, he had a kid out of wedlock, took it to court, denied the whole thing. 
They did a DNA test to prove it was his son, even though he still denied it. For many years, he denied having a son. And then, you know, his son became a, not a famous footballer, but played for Italy. And it's just funny. It's just, it's one of those things where like, you know, he, he, he did, he, that was, there was a lot of stories like that with Maradona. hundred percent. He must have had a, he, and, he yeah. And I, 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 I got it. I also get it that a lot of commentators, especially on the day he died, I think Jeff Blair mentioned it. And so many others, I, I'm pretty sure. That the two goals he scored in that quarterfinal game against England, James, basically encapsulate Maradona. Because yes, there's the hand of God goal. But then there's that other incredible goal. And that was an incredible goal. That was an incredible goal. Where he just shredded them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that, that basically, that's basically Maradona in a nutshell. And I'd say that's a good way to put it. Because yeah, this guy... Had his issues, and in, in many respects, he was blessed to get as far as he did, because a lot of people thought he would have died much sooner, much much sooner. Yeah, he had a major drug problem. He had some major issues, but he stayed as long as he could have. I think he, I think it's a, I think it was great that he got to sixty, considering all that had happened. Yeah, man. R.I.P. Maradona. So, who's next mm-hmm. up on the Death Watch? <sighs> okay. Well, you. Well, Mo, what's your prediction? I mean, last episode I did say the Queen was gonna die, and I still hope, crossing fingers, that she dies before the end of the year. Oh uh, my but, god! But, but, oh my god! But, but, but the new addition to my list this year or this week is uh, is Michael J. Fox has officially quit acting because of uh, his Parkinson's, and I'm pretty sure that you know he might kick the bucket any time now. I know this is kind of harsh and whatnot, but like. Kind sure of. gonna die. <laughs> kind of. Kind um, of. I mean, the problem is we are taping this at the last couple days of November. We have a month to go, and I'm guaranteeing you, man. Next episode, is- he's gonna be dead, and you guys will all be like, "What? How did you know?" 2020 is what not did Michael over yet. and Queen do to you, Mohammed? Not make any more. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Oh boy. Okay. Okay, so where, where, what else do we want to talk about just quickly? Okay, some piece of in- news this week. James, Mo- Kevin, I know this one's right up your alley, Simon & Schuster. Who wants to, where do you want to go? S- Simon & Schuster. Well, that was one of two. Yeah, it's one it's of two. One Simon so Sh- the Simon & Schuster one, so that was interesting because that actually, I was reading again, it came about because they were originally... Um, a wholly owned subsidy uh, for our uh, Viacom CBS. And Viacom CBS supposedly was doing a review of non-core assets. And supposedly Simon Schuster, this publishing, was a non-core asset, which is kind of funny. And they sold them for $2.175 billion US dollars cash to uh, Penguin Random House, which is kind oh, of crazy. And then what's even more crazy is all the executives of Simon Schuster keep their job and they're still like a separate, like wholly owned subsidiary. So their own subsidiary under um, Penguin Random House, which is insane. Oh, they'll keep them but, for now. But anyway, the relevant part for us in anime and manga is that Simon Schuster um, distribute Viz Media Manga and novels in North America. And so that is big because that means Random uh, Penguin is basically distributing them plus many other um, manga and uh, 
novels uh, in the North American market. Let's go down the list, James. Well, first of all, I'll also start with the fact that supposedly Seven Seas decided a few weeks ago, it was November 20th, they had been uh, distributed by Macmillan. And supposedly now they said uh, that's going to be done on July 1st of next year. July 1st, 2021, guess who's going to distribute them? Penguin Random, Penguin Random House. And they said they're going to distribute their entire front list and back list across uh, sales channels worldwide. And that one, it was interesting because the comments for that one were positive. Because remember, I think me and Kevin have talked off air about this, about how Seven Seas, Getting backlist titles is very, very difficult. Basically, yes. you're in a secondary market and you're paying ridiculous prices. So everyone's oh, like, yeah. oh my God, they're going to yeah. give us with those backlist titles and stuff like that physically and we'll get them at reasonable prices. I'm, so you would think, okay, maybe that makes sense and that'll be great. But it may not quite work out that way. And I know Ed Chavez uh, from Dempa. Yeah, was tweeting about this, and he was talking about, as we know, or maybe not everyone knows, uh, Random uh, Penguin House. Basically, it used to be Penguin House and Random House. Sorry, Penguin and then Random House. But yes. when they uh, went together, they basically formed a mega monopoly for distributing uh, physical books and stuff like that. So now they distribute Kodansha, Square Enix, Seven Seas next year. Viz next year if the sale goes through and vertical, yeah, and that's basically part of the major uh, market for uh, North American English uh, manga and novels. Now Yen Press is still under Hatchet, Dempa, J Novel, and uh, One Piece uh, manga are still under other um, distributors and stuff like that. But we'll see how it goes. But this also reason, presumably uh, excludes small pubs like Udon and Drawn Quarterly because they're pretty niche in their own right. Yeah, those ones, I think they're being distributed through um, bookstores because you know how Diamond, they do all the comic books and stores and stuff like that. They sometimes do some stuff to bookstores. And so they, I believe they do it through bookstores for those ones, for like Dark Horse, for Udon and stuff like that. And maybe those small publishers might be through them too. I don't know. But most of it, when we're talking about this, is going through the bookstores. And remember, that's a big channel, as we said, for that part of the industry, for manga and for novels. Because remember, when Borders closed up, that was a big shock to them and stuff like that. And it's still a big part of their business. Even it's why I don't have a complete set of Strawberry 100%. Yep. Well, I don't think this sale is going to make the chances of us of us getting that any better let's put it that way no it will not but it's interesting so the thing is after they talked about this simon and schuster acquisition and how we're going to have so many of these manga publishers under one umbrella and it's only the main umbrella they said the problem is and chavez had been talking about it is that when they go to these bookstores right to pitch what books to sell and stuff like that there's going to be fewer marketing people being at that table. So less variety of books and things being pitched at those meetings because there's going to be less of them, fewer people. And the other thing is they're going to focus on what they think is going to sell and what exactly. they hope to sell. And so 
I don't think uh, we're high on the list for some of our titles. You know what I mean? So, and and that's and that's a big problem because it means that those titles that don't have that push are just going to have to fend for themselves, proverbially speaking. And if there's a surprise hit amongst those lesser titles, it would get harder to buy those titles sooner than you'd think. So basically you have to get them day of. Maybe yeah, not day they, of, but you know, you have to actually pre-order them. It's always best to pre-order. They always keep on saying if you pre-order, then they know that there's a demand and stuff like that. They've always been saying pre-order, pre-order, pre-order. And in this case, unlike the video game industry for certain things, yeah, you may want to pre-order to show that there is a viable market. I saw it firsthand at Indigo when I pre-ordered Drops of God through them. What happened? Uh, I would I would pre-order from a specific store, and they'd get an extra one or two copies. And that's usually the case. If they see some more, then they'll say, hey, we'll have an extra one just in case. Because if these people want, then maybe we'll have another one we can sell. You know what I mean? So yep. that always works out. The other thing on this news, which is kind of interesting and made me think, was on the digital side. Because remember, uh, even uh, Kodansha and stuff like that, they have digital-only titles that they mm-hmm. go to, like Amazon and to Apple and all of them yeah and the thing that it makes you think is everyone's like well it doesn't really matter because they can always go digital and all this other stuff but the issue kind of with that and i keep on rolling in my head is some of these markets and stuff like that and i think of apple and amazon sometimes is they have their own quote-unquote ethics code in around mature content and stuff like that and they could just put things in their tracks, you know what I mean? And say, we're not going to distribute this through our channels and that because we think it's inappropriate and stuff like that. And that Isn't is Apple happened. usually a sticking point? Isn't this usually a sticking point for Apple? Yeah, it can be definitely with them and stuff like that. But it, in the future, you never know how it holds with other players in the game, right? And so speaking of mature content, uh, that was part of the reason why uh, Seven Seas switched to Penguin Random House, because uh, from what I recall from listening to manga machinations, uh, one of the sticking points was that getting ghost ship titles into stores was a lot harder because Macmillan wasn't willing to uh, distribute distribute those. Interesting. I didn't uh, know that. I knew that it was hard getting some of the ghost ship stuff, but I figured, okay, maybe they did the separate lines so that they could show a differentiation and have them. It's like, okay, these are the tiles for that. But that's so, interesting. Yeah. yeah so yeah, it's harder to get them in the right? shelves. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was, I believe, it was, I believe it was Morgana Santilli, who, uh, who's one of the hosts of the pod, well, one of the contributors to the podcast, and now works for Yen Press, who brought that up. Okay. So this is something to keep an eye on for the next little while for sure yeah remember kids monopolies are not a good thing <laughs> unless you're playing monopoly Depends that's on the debatable game. okay well since we talked about seven c's and that was uh something we brought up last episode there is do we have some follow-ups from some of the stuff we lo- talked about last week James, 
in terms of anime Matsuri, I know that had your attention, Kevin, from the um, <laughs> from the Emmy concert. Uh, anything? In, nope. Forgot. Got busy. Oh, you forgot. forgot. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, and once again, it's kind of hard since that started around. But you said time zones. Time yeah, zones time zones. It would have been five thirty a.m. Toronto time. So don't kick yourself too hard on that. I know you would have wanted to see it. Although there's no replay. It's like you could have been like outside in the dark, had your glow stick ready with some hot cocoa watching that. God's sakes. Uh, I'll I'll leave Kevin to sulk for a moment. Uh, James? Okay. Actually, it was funny. So yeah, I I watched uh, Anime Matsuri, which was um, Anime Limited's... uh, little convention they had last weekend so that was on november uh, 21st and 22nd now they still have it in archive but probably i'm not sure by the time this episode gets put up it might not be there i'm not sure how long they're going to leave that up but it is available worldwide excluding uh, asia and japan so oceania is included so people over there can uh, watch it australia new zealand that but this time we could actually watch on YouTube because their first one was an issue. Mm-hmm. Okay. But uh, the one, the interesting things of though, I think I said three panels were of interest, Mike. One was um, the J uh, novel uh, panel, and it wasn't about the announcements. It was interesting about Sam Panansky, and he was talking about the minutia of starting up that and stuff like that again. Because remember, this one, Jay Novel, is his baby for Sam Panansky. This is the first one he used his own money. He put it in, and his neck was on the line. Because his other ones, he was working for a company like the last one, um, Anime Souls, which was kind of a kickstart for older anime, was a consortium of uh, Japanese corporations and stuff like that. But uh, this one, he had to uh, start from scratch, his own money, and he's managed to make it a success. So as he said, he started year one. He did uh, all digital and stuff like that, and that allowed him to get the novels out there and stuff like that, and that you release them every week, then you put them out once you get the full novel out and sell it and stuff like that, and it's worked out quite well. And God bless that man for putting out the after, And then after that, uh, they went, uh, and they planned, of course, for this, to do um, physical copies and stuff like that. So they had to take time, obviously, to get those distribution channels uh, set up and stuff like that. And I know Ed Chavez has talked about that because he had to do it again with Dempa. And so it was uh, uphill road, but they were able to get slowly but surely to get those accounts. And they've gotten all the major ones, I think, by now, like with Indigo and the people down south and in England and then Australia, New Zealand. And so they have that for the novels. And so it's great because some as he said, sell better as physical novels in that than digital ones. And one of them is, as you said, Kevin, Full Metal Panic. He said that one they have put out as the collector edition, all that. It sold better in the physical collector's edition because people have the nostalgia and stuff like that than it did for the week-to-week people reading it or buying oh. the ebooks and stuff like that. And he said it's likely going to be the same for Slayers and stuff like that. So there's certain ones like that. But other ones, they, because people asked about other Tokyo Pop rescues, right? It <laughs> might not work out that very well. Like they, they didn't mention Kino's Journey, but who knows with that? But other ones, I think they Twelve mentioned. Kingdom? They, 
Twelve Kingdoms they didn't mention, but maybe they might look into that one. But I was thinking of um oh Shauna. They were thinking of Shoko no Shauna and Zero. Oh, that was and they said, because Viz canceled they, that. Yeah, they said both of those ones for novels they wouldn't be able to do. It's just too long and the sales wouldn't be there for digital or physical and stuff like that. Well, so. Shauna's kinda tough because yeah, it I don't think that many people remember Shauna anymore. Yeah. Which is which is sad because that was a thing back then. No, it was. That title was a thing. It took too long to come out between seasons two and three because by the time season three came out, a lot of the interest died off. Ah, one of those things. Yeah, and then the other thing is Genyon Romero went out of business, so they had to rescue. And that rescue was a long time before that happened and stuff like that from Funimation. And so I, I don't think the sales didn't work out probably as well as they had hoped, probably, was, because that went to awesome. save quickly. Yeah, R.I.P. Genion. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember well when Genion went under. There was that rush to get that. I remember us doing that uh, licensing pool just before that. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, but um, uh, the other you said three things, right? So yeah, they, so actually, there was some more quickly there. Like other. Than that on Jane they said then they actually did because they do manga now and stuff like that. So that was the other part of the pool. And the other reason why they went to manga is like to be well rounded, he said, and stuff like that. And it helps because sometimes they can license the manga for some of the novel tie ins they have and stuff like that because people are like, well, there are already enough manga publishers out there, but it can't hurt to uh, do and cross promote your titles and go after some of those titles people might not be thinking of and stuff like that and Makes they sense. release it digitally the same way first and then some of them they have been getting into physical like ascendance of the bookworm and stuff like that okay but uh the last thing just to say is uh we mike tools panel always a good one for does that time forgot yes. and then the other one if you did want to watch something from that was and it's probably going to be on the um uk blu-ray of it cyber city they did a documentary and it was with uh justin savakis was on there because he was working on the blu-ray they also had um oh jonathan clements was on their anime historian um leah holmes was on there she was uh, a fan of that and was well known in uh, the uk anime community uh rory mcfarlane who uh did uh, the redo of the soundtrack Cyber City Oedo for uh, the UK manga release, which has never been heard in North America. So they redid the actual soundtrack for that series back in the 90s. And then the old head of Manga UK, Andy Frayne and stuff like that. And he, we've never really seen at all. So that was interesting to hear his thoughts. And they talked about manga sometimes back then and how it was a part of, remember, Island Records and him going to get these type of series and how he's like bringing back these suitcases full of video cassettes and all this other things just to <laughs> see what would sell and this one cyber city was because it was madhouse is from uh, the director obviously of wicked city and ninja scrolls so it was a slam dunk but it was interesting that it really became a cult hit in the uk and that's why anime limited has decided to bring it back as a blu-ray and the interesting thing about it is they're going to have not just like searching Japanese English and that, but the soundtrack, because there's the Japanese soundtrack and then the one manga UK did that Rory McFarland did, 
they're going to be, you can switch between the soundtracks, which is kind of cool. And then they're putting in the soundtrack, the one that manga did as a part of the limited edition, which is cool because we never, I don't think I've ever heard that UK soundtrack because when it came to the U S and North America and Canada and that they just used the Japanese soundtrack and that uh, supposedly John O'Donnell just was saying, you guys paid for this to redo the soundtrack. I'm not doing that. So he just wanted the Japanese soundtrack. Oh, and that's boy. all he did. Uh-huh. Like, oh man. Uh, th- th- that just sounds like a story. Yeah, no, like they, they kind of mentioned, but it, it probably was another story within itself that would probably make that documentary so long. But it was just an interesting look at this hidden classic, if you want to call it, and stuff like that. And the other funny thing is Leia Holmes, they were talking about fans of it later, and as it got legs for Cyber City, supposedly in the UK, it had a bigger female uh, fan base than male fan base by the late 90s. Mm. And still now. Which is kind of crazy, given that it's one of those 90s animes. You know what I mean? Cyberpunk and all this other stuff. But bigger female fan base. Hopefully, hopefully if I'm able to get around to it, I'll be able to um, see at least one of those things. Well, as we said, there's so many virtual things now, right? It's like... Oh, I know, I know. Well, on that topic, I'll follow up then. The one thing I brought up last episode was stuff that the Japan Foundation New York had been doing online. They had been doing some online presentations on Japanese pop culture in a, on, in a monthly basis. And last time I brought up a presentation they'd be doing on the power of music in anime with a few musicologists and scholars there. That came and went. It is up online on their website and YouTube channel. They have another coming in the series. That'll be on December 12th. And they're going to talk about Satoshi Kon, tracing the legacy of an anime giant. And they have four academics uh, talking about his legacy. We brought up Satoshi Kon's aftermath in a past episode when we talked about Junko Iwao. Remember, uh, Junko Iwao played Mima in Perfect Blue. And when she was at Anime North a couple years ago, uh, Junko Iwao talked at length about her experiences with Satoshi Kon and how he helped improve her as an actress in the way she handled that role. And that also, since his passing, and this is to commemorate the 10th anniversary of his passing, she's become very good friends with Khan's widow. Matter of fact, they became friends after he he had passed away. So. Wow, it's been that long. It's been that long. So they're going to do a little presentation to commemorate Satoshi Khan's uh, 10th anniversary of his passing. That'll be on... Once again, December 12th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll put a link up to that. That, But it isn't the only thing that the Japan Foundation New York is up to. Just before that, they're going to have a small film festival, or as they're calling it, Film Festival Plus. And within it, there's going to be a couple of different events. This will happen first couple days of December, so in the coming week. There's going to be a couple of uh, presentations on the 3rd 
the fifth and the ninth. We will put a web, uh, link to that specifically, but the one that will have our attention is the presentation on December 5th, which is a panel discussion entitled Transforming the World, How Japanese Robots Saved a Nation and Charmed a Planet. It's a discussion with Fred Schott and Matt Alt. I think that has our attention, doesn't it, James? Indeed, it does. Yes, we will put up a uh, link for that specifically, and uh, that's by signing up as well. It'll be moderated by Christopher Smith. Once again, that'll be on Saturday, December 5th at 7 p.m. Just have to sign up. On that note, Fred Schott did release a new book this week. I think there are some reviews. My Heart Sutra, I think it's called. There have been a few reviews. Jonathan Clements has reviewed the book, I believe. So uh, if I can find that, or I will put that in the show links. But it just dawned upon me that I think it, I think the book is in the aftermath of the motorcycle accident that we mentioned he got into late last year. And I think we understand a little bit more about the severity of what happened through the book. So that's worth uh, mentioning. But that's the Japan Foundation New York. What about Toronto, you ask? Well, no one's asking about the Japan Foundation Toronto, but we're going to bring it up anyway because coming up from Thursday, December 10th to Saturday, December 12th, they're doing a small film festival as well. And the reason I'm mentioning it is it's free. You can watch them online. They're, they're going to be doing two movies, one called The Long Goodbye, which is about a family who, who has to deal with their father's Alzheimer disease. So it follows this family over a seven-year period as he, unfortunately, gives way to it. And then the other is a documentary about Koshien, the high school baseball championships, or more specifically, the 100th edition of the high school baseball championship. And it follows a couple teams as they pursued that. This was actually a recommended documentary on ESPN. I've been personally been looking for a Canadian way to watch it, and this is going to be it. So that one will be on my personal to-watch list. Once again, it'll ha they'll have that for free between Thursday and Saturday, December 10th to de December 12th. All you need to do is just register for it, and then you'll have access to these movies during the three days mentioned. So there's my personal recommendations upcoming. Now on my own personal to watch list, we went at length about Netflix last time about their anime. Do we want to quickly go back to the article or uh, we'll do that another time? We can. I get the feeling uh, in the couple of weeks since the episode, there a lot of people have commented on the article, but they, they've been more specific about the algorithm. We, we took another angle. We took the po positive route. But others have taken a more cynical look at it, and mainly through the algorithm. Netflix's way of suggesting stuff and knowing what's popular and in turn using that to, I guess, inform what they're going to make next. Is there anything we want to say about this? Because, I don't know, is there anything that caught your attention there? about that? I mean, the algorithm is there to help us, right? 
Mike? I mean, it's it's kind of like the monolith. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> it's not the be all end all, as we said, because the head of Japan. Uh, remember, before he was hired, he thought that was mostly how they would do it, but it sounded like it isn't the be all and end all, and they are trying to help and get creators together from across the world. But as we said, also that can lead to things that maybe we're not exactly going to feel good about like the one thing we talked about the cgi and stuff like that i know with kevin that like sadonia and stuff like that you're doing more things like that i don't think it's it's getting really away from the core of what anime is you know what i mean and that's mm-hmm. what some people worry about you know what i mean and it i guess that's that, what, yes, we that do know other... the uniqueness the mm-hmm. japanese-ness we, we i mean we brought that up and i and i guess that's seems to be the concern of those who have commented on the article that is a concern you know if it looked if it looked nice i guess i would give it a pass Hmm. but it kind of doesn't and some of the ones in the more recent one that were taking that route i think resident evil was one and then there was another video game property i think as well that they were doing something with but other than that the ones we talked about were more traditionally anime and stuff like that and are really things people would want to look for and i don't think are going to be compromised like house has been i think hits all the spots for a lot of people across the board i I just like to think there's going to be a bunch of algorithm jokes you know the algorithm is all-knowing and will beckon you when it's ready you know it's interesting because i was never much of a channel surfer even Mm -hmm. when i was watching tv regularly it for me it was always i know what i want to watch so I will just look it up on my own. And if it's on TV, great. And if not, that's what the internet was for. So even with Netflix, I, I feel like I would be, I wouldn't succumb to the whims of the algorithm, so to speak. And I'm not saying this to toot my own horn. That's just how I operate. Your, your own viewing habits, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's sort of, maybe sometimes that's the generational divide too. Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna say it's it's. I used to have that same argument like a long time ago, where I would be like, "Ads don't work on me. Ads aren't effective." I mean, if if you if you see the same trailer for the same show, like I don't know if you guys know this show on Netflix called Queen's Gambit. I, I caved and finally yeah. watched it, but like I must have seen a hundred different trailers and ads people talking about this. And anytime you open Netflix, like they push that thing on you. Sooner or later, you're gonna collapse and just watch it. Like that's. That's the whole point of it, right? Because <laughs> the algorithm will beckon you. Exactly. Just give in, guys. Just, 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 just let go. I don't know. Like, I'm on YouTube, and YouTube knows that I'm an anime fan because they try and keep on pushing those mobile games like Genshin Impact and yeah. whatever. <laughs> the but in the no, nope, right? I refuse. You don't want to give your personal information away, Kevin? I can't believe it. I mean, I, I get it. I see those ads when I play uh, Fruit Ninja 2 as well. I'll, I'll be honest, though. I, I mentioned my my Netflix watching over the last couple of weeks. And this is fun. It's strange because I've gotten through a couple of short J-dramas. And they're ones from a couple of years ago, really. I, I mentioned I was finishing Shinya Shokodo Midnight Diner, or at least the fifth season. And, I'll, and at a point, I'll go back and watch the first three. Because since they're now all there, but that wasn't where my attention was over the last couple weeks. Over the last two weeks, I watched and completed 
Samurai Gourmet, which was like 2017, about a recent retiree who becomes a foodie, which is which was really charming, and that's based on a manga. And then I watched The Many Faces of Ito, which was also 2017. If you, if I think if you if you like those shows like Gossip Girl, that might be worth watching. Hmm. That that's 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 uh, that's know, many faces. You know they're doing Ito. a sequel to that now, right? Oh, they're doing a sequel to Many Faces of Ito. Ate. I meant Gossip Girls. <laughs> no, also Gossip hey, wait, 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 wait. So, now, now, then it's over for me. Like with the same cast. <laughs> Oh no no no! Sorry, huh? sorry. Not not a sequel. Uh, a remake with different people. Oh, like, okay, like, like what they did with nine hundred two and zero, where they thought, "Hey, we're, we're out of ideas. Let's just redo the same thing over again." Huh. Well, they right? changed. They altered several things in the Gossip Girl adaptation in comparison to the novels. That's a little curious. Okay. Yeah, see, I, I, see, I, I confessed to watching the first season of Gossip Girl. Okay. Well. Many faces of Edo. Good it's just I'm trying to find a comparable. I'm not totally sure that's a, it's fair, but it's funny because net, it's a Netflix original. So the TV series was a Netflix original. I know that there was a movie, and essentially retells the story but gives another view, which I think was initially available for a bit on Netflix in Canada. It isn't anymore, but it would be available in other regions. Having gone through watching the series, I, I'm, I, I guess I'd be curious to watch that. But that's another story, I guess. I, I will say for both, they're, they're not long commitments. The episodes aren't too long. Samurai Gourmet was 12 episodes, but you'd be hard-pressed to see an episode that got over 20 minutes. The episodes did vary in length. Many Faces of Edo was eight episodes, and the, the episodes were roughly 23 minutes. And kind of an interesting watch, I have to say. Well, do you want me to give a quick premise of it or not? Or do you care? I'm pretty sure our listeners care. Huh? I'm, listeners would care? I, who knows? Care. Basic premise is it's a jaded romance scriptwriter who years ago had a popular television series, wrote and created, who now has writer's block and is looking for her next big idea, her producer manager suggests she give advice on romance. And in the process of looking for ideas, she comes across four women who tell the story of their involvement with a guy. And the common link is that the guy is named Ito. And as she goes about interviewing them, we either, it becomes like a romance whodunit in a, dramatic, in a fairly dramatic sense. So each of the girls he, are nicknamed A, B, C, and D. Just, just uh, for, for reference. Hence, the, hence its Japanese nickname, Ito-kun A to E. And guess who E ends up being? So... That, and that's, a, I guess, a small spoiler as well. And it becomes obvious that each of these girls are talking about the same guy. And through the interviews, we find out how their lives all intersect in some form. 
it's a it, it's an intriguing premise and the execution was it's not a masterpiece but uh it felt like it was an intriguing watch at least it ha- it held my interest through all eight episodes so it was a good watch in that sense no i i hardly cons- would have considered it a waste of time and how did i end up watching it well it was suggested to me through the algorithm <laughs> oh. it it sat in my queue for a long time and i just thought something quick to watch before I got on to, to the anime stuff again. And Great Pretender's actually next on the queue, James, just for reference. Oh. And it's actually all there now, so you can watch that in English and yeah. in Japanese so I for all the art. Oh, a little bit. And either is a great uh, watch and stuff like that, because they did a very unique way of doing the English dub, kind of like the Japanese, where they're speaking basically where their loka and stuff language was. So it isn't just a straight English dub, which is interesting. Okay, see, so uh, maybe I'll watch episodes that way, and we'll see what happens. But that's basically how I've spent the last couple weeks in terms of my watching. But uh, th- that's that's sort of been what's in my queue the last couple weeks. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, before we end tonight, oh, you just put up a link. Uh, yeah, Tony's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tony Day. I've heard about. I, I've heard of this guy. I've heard of this company. I don't know too much about it. What do you want to say about Zappos? Kevin, Wait. you wanna you wanna hop in here on this? Wait, wasn't he the founder of Zappos? He was. Yes, he, correct. He turned, he turned it from a million dollar company to a billion dollar company in less than a decade. He redefined customer service as it stands. He's a pretty big, pretty big dude. Like it's a big loss. Yeah, he yeah. he died in a in a house fire, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, complications after a house fire. Zappos was known for excellent customer service. He wrote the and book the on customer service. And the prices weren't too shabby either. <laughs> yeah. The only mm-hmm. thing was, is that I, was it Amazon that bought them out? For for 1.2 billion, yes. Yeah, and they so, were based out of Las Vegas and yeah, they got bought out by Amazon, of course. Yeah, actually the tribute, a lot of tributes were Las Vegas-based tributes because he, he really contributed there. Oh yeah, he, owned, he, he, was, he, was, he was a big staple. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just sad that he, uh, he passed away. It's, uh, like, I, I can't say I'm f- too familiar myself, but. That book was also known to have uh, a great work culture up until Amazon bought them. And then it slowly deteriorated, but, uh, <laughs> it's still a testament to how, even though you become a big company, like you can still become a good employer. That's hard. That kind of sucks to hear. Well, there's another one we can add to that list on tw- of 2020, Mohammed. Oh man, we, should, we you know what we should do? We should have like uh, that uh, that that breaking news alert. <laughs> oh, <laughs> breaking God. news: Death Watch. Someone else has died today. Oh. Well, this was this was announced last night, though. Yeah. I, I, I this had been a headline last night. Yeah. But this this is really disheartening to hear, though. Well. Anyway. Uh, Anything else you guys are looking forward to, or should we just end it off tonight? Uh, yeah, we got, a, we got a couple minutes. Just one, uh, thing, one thing. I actually wanted to ask James something quick because I want to go back okay, to the. I want to go back to the the seven C's thing quickly. Uh, James, were there any titles you that you weren't able to buy because of the backlog, or the back catalog disappearing? Um, there were quite a few. I remember, like. Was it non non? Uh, remember the farming one? 
Biori? Yeah, Biori. Yeah, Nonon Biori. Because I ended up getting into the anime, but the manga, they had started that, I think, either around or before. And I got into it late because I got the anime so cheap and stuff like that. I think I paid 12 bucks for the whole oh. thing they had released up to that point. And I'm like, oh, I might, I might check out the manga and stuff like that. And the back catalog, just was, you can't find it anywhere and stuff like that. Even though, for example, I think the most recent volume is coming out for them in the next few months. I can't remember if that's 13 or 14 or whatever, but because I wanted to check out the manga after uh, watching the anime. It's like, oh. But there are many like that, as you said, and you said specifically Ghost uh, Ship. I, Charles, I know we're a hard one to find in certain circumstances. Yeah, hmm. uh, for me, it was, haven't you heard I'm Sakamoto? Uh, yeah, I you bought... talked about that, and I got that one when it began, so that was no problem for me. But yeah, that went out quickly, didn't it? So I bought volumes one and three. Like, I don't know why I bought them out of order. Uh, and then the two that went out of print that I needed were volumes two and four. And I was lucky enough to find them locally. And truth be told, they don't go for too, a lot more. It's just whether or not you can find a good condition copy for a good price. Uh, the, I'm pretty thankful that that was the only title that took some work for me because if you're a fan of freezing or railgun or hogganai oh my god some of those prices are astronomical now it's just ridiculous yeah there's certain ones long running ones and even some of the omnibus ones i think um i have all of gunslinger girl but i happen to take a peek, that too. and that one has been on a print for a long time and stuff like that and that used to be a popular series and it's such a fun series too it's good oh I kind of regret selling it now. No, that's when I was <laughs> like, like years ago, but I kind of yeah. regret it now. Yeah, there's there is such a thing as seller's regret, no doubt. Well, I guess that's about it. Well, yeah. Mo, Mo, do you are you? Is there another movie running you? I should be aware of before the end of 2020. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, what? Is there another movie run for you? Oh no 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 Meaning... no no! I'm 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 firmly locked. I mean, I'm moving next week, but aside from that, I'm firmly locked in my house for the next three months. <laughs> I mean, I, I, right. I, I I was briefly considering watching Wonder Woman uh, when that comes out, but then I'm like, ah, they're gonna release that on streaming. I'll I'll, I'll wait for that. Oh, well, yeah, eventually, yes. That's that's a that's a weird one to actually to talk about because i think in the u.s that get that'll get simultaneous release on hbo max at the same time as the theatrical release whereas up here in canada you have to wait for the regular theatrical re release and then it'll re it'll get to the digitals someday <laughs> well in its usual course of time which is not the way they're doing in the u.s no, no. The u.s is going to fast track for sure I, I i will say this google's having a. Uh some black friday sales on their digital uh tv shows so if you guys want to pick up cow beep up you know season one for nine bucks or yeah that's, that's there so our various seasons of attack on titan and even outlaw stars listed yeah i've seen that like they do anime sales like on playstation network on microsoft uh xbox live and stuff like that at certain times like especially in may because anime and stuff like that they do things like that so oh, yeah very very funny well, anime. 
Whatever oh. it takes to sell it, as they well, say. No, well, 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 let's put up the link. I'll put up a link. And that's probably the best suggestion we can make. <laughs> assuming, oh. assuming those sales are still going by the time this episode goes up. Well, there's all there's the right stuff sales to uh, whet people's appetites if you're willing to uh, cough up the money to get free shipping or knowing some people that can pitch in. Or you could go to Sentai and stuff like that. They've been doing their Black Friday sale and they'll probably have another sale for Christmas. At the moment, they're doing free shipping for Canada at $200. Oh. Okay. Oh. Well, for me, and there are special editions available there too. <laughs> well, at the very least, I got other stuff to keep me occupied. So, um, but hey, others might be interested. Oh, and uh, I actually wanted to bring up what I was reading before we ended okay. off. Uh, so, I started reading Shonen Junai Gumi today because <laughs> I wasn't in the oh. mood to finish Twin Speaker because I didn't want to feel depressed. And man, it's so <laughs> much fun. <laughs> <laughs> just, just and for those who don't know that oh, is the prequel series to gto oh boy yep. yes that's why i said that's why and that was that's the tokyo pop it. one right yes yeah tokyo pop and then remember they had one that time, other then vertical. gto vertical was doing oh boy wow yeah so essentially because vertical movie. vertical uh finished shonen junai gumi uh so they published the last five volumes I believe it was a licensing requirement for them to even release seven, 14 days in Shonan. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do what remember I that. That's, yeah. what I, that's what I thought they released uh, those last ones before they got to 14 days, yeah. GTO rocks. See what, see what makes yeah. them work. And GTO is, uh, is one of those titles that are pretty hard to find nowadays for an affordable price. Uh, I would love to see that come out again one day, but I don't think it will happen unless a new anime series comes out. Hmm. Uh, other, the other thing that's really impressed me as of late, uh, I think I met, I don't recall if I mentioned this last episode or not, but yep. Twin star exorcist, really good manga. Like it really surprises me how good it is. And those are good. Well, I'll take those recommendations. It's uh, it's a it's it's interesting because you see these two characters like grow up in the span of like several years, and hmm. uh, it's. I just feel like when it comes to suspense, it's surprised me how well executed it is. With the latest chapter that came out a while back, the way that they paced that chapter from. Like having your happy moments, but then having your suspenseful moments, and then you have an element of mystery to it, which gets resolved by the end of the chapter, but then it leads to what could potentially be a very dire situation for the protagonist and like their association. Like, wow, like I really have to go and read those uh, back catalog chapters at some point because, like, I read the first three volumes and then I just ended up just starting to read the latest chapter. So I haven't read a whole chunk of it yet. And I'm really wanting to uh, subscribe to weekly show and jump for a month or two, just so I can fill in the gap. <laughs> and that's your recommendation. Yeah. Okay. Can't speak the same for this though, or Seraph of the end. Those have been kind of meandering for me at least. 
Oh, okay. I guess for me, aside from the obvious, maybe I'll consider taking the shrink wrap off of these uh, Makoto Shinkai DVDs. Yeah, just be careful of your name there, Mike, since that one, it like comes apart like in the middle. Oh, yeah, yeah I know. I can oh, see yeah. it. I can see it. I'll just make sure. It, so I'm, you never know, like, depending on I'll how just, you'll. I'll make sure I'm sitting on a table as I do it. Anyway, that's it for this episode. Once again, if this is the first time you're listening and have any questions or comments, our contact information is in this file or at the beginning of this episode. Thanks for listening. Join us again for another edition of the Anime Roundtable.